In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today is the sixth Sunday of the Great Fast. This is actually the last Sunday. Uh, next Sunday we have um, Hosanna Sunday, or Palm Sunday. Um, and today in the scripture we read about the man who was born blind, and the apostles come, and when they see this man, they ask Christ in verse 2 of chapter 9, Rabbi, who sinned that this, ma this man or his parents that he was born blind? And this is a question that betrays um, a certain understanding that the apostles had of the reason that suffering happens in the world has to be because of somebody's sin or because of the parent's sin that came before him, that God is somehow punishing them by giving them this um, child who was born blind. But God responded, Christ responded, and he said, no, it wasn't because of his sin, it wasn't because of the parent's sin, it was so that the glory of God would be revealed in him. But certainly we know the important role that parents play in the life of children and how it is in fact the case that our sins can affect our children. Maybe not the way that they are born, but the way that they are raised and the way that they live and the environment that they grow up in. The role of the parents is very important in teaching our children um, the, the right path and, and what is it that they should be doing in their life. So I want to speak briefly a little bit about how the, what is the role of the parents in teaching the children about God and, and how it's very important that we are very diligent as parents that we focus on, on this and we take this seriously. Often because of the busy schedules that we have, we find ourselves maybe not being as purposeful or intentional with the way that we live our lives and especially with the way we raise our children and every day just kind of goes however it is that it goes without really a lot of focus or attention given to the effect that we as parents are having on our children. And it's important for us to, to understand this and to be motivated to know that, okay, my actions are really having an impact. The first... Um, kind of uh, characteristic or thing that we need to be mindful of as parents is that it is our role to train and, and admonish um, our children, to train them in the Lord. We read in Ephesians 6, 4, And you fathers do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. And there's two aspects to this um, role that the parents have. The first one is the training aspect. And the second one is the admonition aspect. The training, you can think of it as um, a positive, proactive activity that the parents are doing to teach the children something positive, you know, a, a skill that we are teaching our children. We're teaching our children to not lie. We're teaching our children um, to, you know, be polite the way that they speak. We're teaching our children many different skills and many different ways of, of behavior. Um, as a positive thing and we do this through repetition and maybe one of the most exhausting things that a exhausting things that a parent has to do is to repeat because it takes many many times before these things sink into the minds of our children that we can't just explain at one time and expect that our children are going to start doing it and actually even we as adults when we are told one time some positive thing that we should be doing oftentimes we also are not able to do it um, from the first time and we need many reminders uh, to before we it becomes a habit in us. So this is the first aspect, the training, bringing them up in the training of the Lord, training them to go to church, training them to pray, training them to read the Bible, training them to do all of these things repeatedly over and over and over, which requires a lot of consistency so that this concept sticks in their mind to when, for whatever reason, if it is absent, our children would come to us and say, today we didn't read in the Bible, today we didn't pray, today we didn't do this, because it has become such a part of their routine. The next part that he says is the admonition. The admonition is a warning. 
is a warning saying what is the consequences of not doing the right thing you know sometimes we we jump on our children whenever they do wrong but maybe we didn't warn them ahead of time that this was going to be the consequence of whatever wrong act that they did maybe they're doing wrong without understanding what what the consequence is but certainly if they know the consequence and they should they continue and do make the wrong decision anyway then they should receive whatever consequence is due for this action this is the admonition of the lord also we need to model the right behavior for them it's not just about giving commandments and telling them you know uh, training them you should do this and you should not do this and this is the consequence if you do this and this because this is actually easy for parents because we can do this while say, sitting and comfortably and from our experience we're just going to tell them do this don't do this do this don't do this but modeling the right behavior is far more difficult in Titus 2.7 it says in all things showing yourself to be a pattern of good works and doctrine showing integrity reverence incorruptibility and when we model the right behavior um, we can think of it from three different aspects the first one is the right behavior regarding the self right that we should be an example in self-reflection in confession that when we want our children to confess their sins we should confess our sins when we want our children to reflect on the wrong decisions that they've made and to think through this then we also should do the same so the first responsibility of modeling to our to our children is that i i model my own self behavior my own self-reflection my own way that i consider my own decisions on my own sins and my own confessions this is the first thing that we model to our children the next is we model the right behavior toward other people okay so be an example in forgiving others in serving others in loving others in being tolerant of others in 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 being long-suffering with others that even though others might be bothering me by doing some action that we are slow to wrath and we are quick to for forgive and the third type of modeling behavior is toward God, the right behavior toward God. This is an example of our spiritual activities that we do toward God, like praying, reading the Bible, and going to church, and so on. This is another way of, that we model the right behavior to our children. But the, the modeling is the most important thing. Actually, if you don't even have the training and the admonition, if you don't have that, but you have the modeling, you're already 90% of the way there. Because our children, a lot of times, they ignore what we have to say, they're not paying attention to what we have to say, but they are seeing and observing and watching what it is that we're doing without even realizing that they're doing so. Because keep in mind that our children don't necessarily know anything else outside of what we do. They, don't, they, don't, they, they, they haven't necessarily been exposed to other wrong decisions or other wrong choices or other ways of life or other perspectives of other religions or other whatever it is outside of our home. right? So they are very sheltered, especially when they're very young. And so the only thing that they absorb and they pick up is us. And what they, they perceive the world through us. They, they imagine that the entire world is like us. So when we model for them right behavior, then this is what becomes normal to them. This is what becomes like everyone is, going, is doing this. This is, this is normal. But if we model to them wrong behavior, also they were going to absorb this. <coughs> also, it is our role to restrain, to restrain our children. Um, when they're going to do wrong when God was speaking to Eli the priest about his children so his children they were adults Hophni and Phinehas they were priests uh, in the in the tabernacle and they were wicked priests and they were doing sin and yet 
even though Eli, he did some role as their father to tell them that what they are doing is wrong, he didn't actually restrain them from doing so. And in 1 Samuel chapter 3, God is speaking to Samuel about Eli. And he's saying, For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knows, because his sons made themselves vile, and he did not restrain them. So even though Eli rebuked him, them, he didn't go far enough. He didn't go far enough to restrain them. So sometimes, and this is difficult maybe as parents to understand what is the right balance. There are times where we need to give our children freedom to make mistakes. And that even though they are, they are failing in something, that they will taste the consequences of their own actions. And that it is through this that they will learn. But there are other times when our children's actions are actually being a negative impact on other people. That we can't just leave them because they are hurting others. It's not just a self-learning lesson. It's not just a lesson that our children are going to learn. And maybe the only people that they are going to harm is themselves or us as their parents. And we can bear it because we are their parents and this is our role. But if our children are harming someone else, this is something that we have to take action to restrain, to restrain them. If, if our parents are hurting another child, if our, parents are vandal if our ch children are vandalizing something, if our children are being rude toward another person, right? these are things that we can't just leave unchecked. It is our role as parents to come in and to, to teach our children this is wrong behavior and to restrain them from doing so. In this case, Eli did not do this. Eli maybe told them, Yes, this is wrong what you're doing, but he didn't actually stop them. Eli was the judge. Eli could have stopped anyone from doing anything, and he didn't, he didn't stop them. He didn't restrain them. So this is also part of the, the proactive taking initiative as parents, is that we have to always be watchful. And it's difficult for us sometimes to be watchful, because how I only have two eyes, and I have to focus on many, many things at the same time. But this is our responsibility before God that we are watchful and that even if our children fall in the same way 10 times, that 10 times we restrain them again and we tell them and we teach them. And we do this without anger and we do this without yelling and we do this with patience and love and kindness, asking God to grant us this patience that after you know repeatedly doing this, that our children would actually learn and that this activity or this, this wrong behavior will, will stop. We also have to be mindful of unbalanced corrections. In Colossians 3.21, it says, Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Lest they become discouraged. When our children disobey, we are called to chastise. We are called to rebuke. We are called to restrain. We are called to, to stop them from doing what it is that they are doing. But we are called to do so in a balanced way. We are called to do so in a way that is gentle, in a way that is appropriate to the situation. Sometimes because of our own frustrations, after rebuking the, the, the child for the same thing 10 times, and we have, we have had it, and we don't have any patience left with them, our natural response is to lash out in anger, and, and we're venting our own anger on our child for, for this. But actually, this is not... This is not right. This is not what we should be doing, even though it might seem in the moment that that's the only recourse that we have. But actually, it would be better to completely ignore the situation rather than to respond in this way. Because our children are going to be negatively affected through this. And we might coerce them through coercion, through force, through some kind of violence that to, to obey us because they are simply afraid of, of disobeying. They're afraid of doing what is wrong. But this only works when we are there present with them. 
Sometimes parents raise their children in a certain way, and 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 to their in their own eyes, they, it it feels to them like the, their their technique is working. By the time their children have become teenagers, the child is attending the church every week. The child is praying every day. The child is doing everything that you would expect a good Christian child to do. But the moment that they leave their parents' house, the moment they go to college, for instance, you find a completely different person, a person who rebels, a person who stops going to church altogether, a person who stops praying altogether, a person who does all, like completely changes. And the parents will even wonder, why is this happening? I, I, I raised my child, you know, I was so diligent in everything that I was doing and, and, and teaching them the right way and doing everything. So we asked the question, in what way were you teaching them? Were you forcing them and everything was against their will? to do the right choice, and they were afraid of you. They were afraid of what you would do to them if, if, if they didn't follow through with what you said. And so they weren't actually choosing. All they were doing is being forced. Now, of course, with young children, there's always going to be an element of forcing. There's always going to be an element of saying, no, you're going to do this whether you like it or not. And I'm not arguing against that. But again, there's a balance. There is a balance. At some point, especially as our children begin to go older, I have to leave it to them to make good choices on their own, which means giving them the space to make bad choices and seeing the consequences of those bad choices so that it, they are begin to learn from, from a young age what is right and what is wrong. And I'm doing good because I'm choosing to do good, not simply because I'm afraid of what my parents are going to do to me. I'm afraid of my dad screaming at me. I'm afraid of my mom spanking me. I'm afraid of the consequences that I'm going to get if I don't do the right thing. So we have to be balanced in the corrections that we give and the punishments that we give and the consequences that we give because we are there not to be the child's will. We are not there to be the child's mind. We are there to train the child, to build the mind of the child so that they can make good choices and guide them and direct them in the right path, not to replace their own decision-making process with our own. Because definitely our decision-making process is better than theirs, especially when they are young. Right? My goal is not to make every right decision for my child. My goal is to teach them how to make right decisions for themselves, which means I have to allow them to fail sometimes. I have to allow them to, to taste the consequences of their own wrong choices. Another effect that the parents have uh, on the children is their understanding of who God is comes from the parents and, 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 and very much from the father. Because the father figure is in the eyes of people, or the eyes of children, represents the character of God. The character of the father, the character of the parents, represents the character of God. So if our children develop a wrong relationship with us, the, the, the behavior that they see in us, they will imagine that this is the behavior of God as well. So for instance, if we are always very harsh on our children, then they will grow up believing that God is very harsh. If we are very lax and we don't uh, rebuke them at all and we allow them to do everything that they want, they will grow up thinking that this is the way God is, that there is no judgment, that God is just lets me do whatever I want without any consequence. So it's very important for us to find this right balance and to raise our children in the fear of God because their perception of God comes through us. In Jeremiah chapter 9, it says, Thus says the Lord, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, let not the mighty man glory in his might, nor let the rich man glory in his riches. But let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord, exercising loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. 
for in these I delight, says the Lord. Right? What is it that we should glory in? We should glory in the knowledge of God. We should glory because we know God, because we know Him rightly, how He really is. And so sometimes, even for us, all of us have also been affected by the, you know, what we receive from our parents. Right? All of us have been affected the same. And, and, and all of us are imperfect, obviously. None of us can do this perfectly. But we have to always be mindful of this. How is it that we truly understand God? Maybe as we begin to read the Word of God, we find that our perception of what we believed about Him doesn't match what it is that we read in the Word of God. And it's a difficult process for us to reorient ourselves, to begin to see God maybe in a different way than, than we grew up. Do we believe that God is just a rule maker? You know, maybe maybe that's the way we see our, our parents. God, they just they're just a, a lot of rule makers, but they don't really have time for me. They don't really spend time with me, but they are rule makers. They set down the rules and they say you must follow these rules. And if you don't follow these rules, there'll be consequences. But I'm too busy really to spend time with you. Children are going to grow up believing that this is God. God is just a rule maker. God is not really a lover. God is not really someone who cares about me very much. But he just sets down the rules. Or do we believe that? Uh, God is just very wrathful, very unforgiving. If, if my parents were this way, maybe that's the way that I think about God. Um, do, we, do we believe that we've lost our salvation because we are so afraid of the consequences of our sin and believe that there is no way that God could forgive me? Maybe, maybe growing up, I also had parents that when I would go and apologize to them about something that I did wrong, it, the apology would never be accepted. And maybe every time I would do something wrong, I would be reminded of the other previous wrong things that I did to kind of rub it in my face that I'm bad, right? Again, this is going to be how we think about who God is that we believe about God, that He is this way, that He never forgives and He never forgets the wrongs that we do, or that we believe that He is distant and uninterested in us if we don't spend a lot of time or He doesn't want to spend time with us. So it's important for us to understand God rightly, and it's important for us as parents to share that right understanding with our children, not just through teaching, but through our own actions and through the own way that we show love to our children. The last point I want to mention is the relationship between the parents. Because the relationship that the parents have with one another is also going to determine the, the right, the modeling, the right actions, and the right loving relationship that our children will have, not only with their friends and other people, but also with their spouses when they eventually grow up and get married. In Isaiah 32, it says, My people will dwell in a peaceful habitation, in secure dwellings, and in quiet resting places. This is what God wants for his people. He wants us to have peace and tranquility and harmony with one another. And it's one thing if the source of conflict is from the outside and it's attacking us, but we are united from the inside. But it's a completely different thing if even in the home there is constant conflict and arguing and, and shouting and, 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 and this kind of thing causes disc, you know, discord, causes, causes issues and problems. And the children are victimized by this. When, when the parents have constant disagreements and it's okay to have disagreements and it's okay to have differences of opinion and it's okay to have conflict um, but but how is it done? How do we express ourselves in the conflict? How is it that we express this disagreement? Do we express it in peace? Do we express it in private so that our children are not even aware that this is happening? The best way for our children to see is that mom and dad are like a united front that we are not disagreeing with each other that we are one, 
right? And we are coming in with one mind and one heart and saying, no, this is what we think is right and this is what we have decided. Not seeing that there is conflicts where one person says this and one person says this and the parents begin to see that, that the parents are not reunited together, right? This has a big impact and, uh, on, on the children. The, the peace in the home is very important. And even though as, as adults, as parents, maybe we understand that these conflicts that we have with one another are not going to break apart the relationship or anything like that, but the, the children are very sensitive. The children are, might look at that and not understand, not understand that this is even a minor thing, a minor conflict. The best way is for us to make time in our day to have these conversations um, privately, so that our children are not even aware that this is happening. And when they see us, they always see us as in harmony. They always see us as one. They always see us talking peacefully to one another. So in conclusion, even though in this reading that we read today, the sins of the parents had nothing to do whatsoever with the blindness of this blind man, and yet we know that we have a big responsibility as parents, and the wrong mistakes that we do as parents can have a big impact. And we look to God because he is asking us to do something that is um, unworldly. He's asking us to do something beyond ourselves. He's asking us to raise another person. We, we struggle even in ourselves to make good choices and to always be right and to cease from sin and to, you know, do all of these things. And now he's asking us, not only are you responsible for yourself, now you are responsible for another person or more than one child that to raise them in the fear of God and this is difficult and who of us can claim that we know how to do this and that we are good parents and we know how to be good and how to raise our children in the fear of God without God himself working and this is why it is so important for families to call out and ask God for his mercy for his strength for his guidance so that God will work and the Holy Spirit will work in, the, in our homes so that he will heal us from our weaknesses and he will grant us to be what our children really need us to be and that we would be able to be a good example to model that good behavior, that good example to them. We would be able to give them the love that they need. We would be able to have peace in our home. All these things are things that come from God alone. This is not something we can accomplish. All of us have our own weaknesses. All of us have our trigger points, the things that's going to make us snap, the things that's going to make us angry, the things that are going to bring dissension and disagreement in the home. Who of us can claim that we can overcome all these things without God himself? But with God working in our homes, in our families, in our minds, in our hearts, we are able to achieve what God wants us to do, which is to raise children that fear the Lord. And glory be to God forever. Amen.